Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Dr. David Jeremiah. Dr. David Jeremiah is a great friend of the ministry. The mission of his broadcast ministry, Turning Point, is to deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Through his daily program, Dr. David Jeremiah's expository teaching is helping millions of people grow in their knowledge of God's Word. You can watch Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah weekdays at 9 a.m. Mountain Time on Miracle Channel. Let's dive into the message. Romans chapter 8 has been called the greatest chapter in the greatest book containing the greatest verse in all of Scripture, Romans 8, 28. There is no chapter in all of the Bible that presents so clearly what the spiritual life is really all about. So we begin this series on Romans 8 with just four verses, verses 1 through 4. These verses are like an overture to a great symphony. All of the themes of the entire chapter are mentioned in some way in the first four verses. And these verses will help us get our bearings for this whole study. Paul announces that if we're in Christ, something is true about us. What I want to do today in these four verses is help all of us to review and recapture what it means to be a Christian. What are the blessings that are ours because we're in Christ? No wonder many people have memorized this whole chapter because when you begin to doubt about your salvation, we begin to wonder if all of this is really true, you need to go back to the truths of Romans 8 and be encouraged and strengthened in your walk. So here are four things you should know about yourself if you're a Christian. First of all, you are free from the penalty of sin. If you're a Christian, if you've been born again, if you're saved, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are free from the penalty of sin. You don't have to read very far in the Bible before you discover that sin is a destructive and a deadly force. You remember David said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Paul tells us that sin is universal. Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus said the end of sin is condemnation. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And against that backdrop, Paul's words in Romans 8, 1 are totally astonishing to us. If all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God, how could it ever be said as it is in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Against that backdrop is this incredible declaration of Paul. This verse teaches us the reason for our freedom. We are not free because of anything we have done. We're not free because of the church we go to or the creed. We are free because God has done something to free us from our bondage and free us from our slavery. Romans 5.1 is the positive statement. Romans 5.1 says, 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1 is the negative statement. Let me read the two verses together. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, in our heads, we all believe that. We've probably heard some preacher say it, maybe this preacher. But let's stop at the next word. There is therefore now. That's the result of your freedom. Today, right now, where you are, you are not being condemned. This one fact alone is the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. The unbeliever has his judgment day before him. If he does not repent and receive Christ, one day he will be judged. The Scripture says condemned. But the believer in Christ has his judgment day behind him. For the believer, the judgment is past and gone, and there is therefore now no condemnation. We do not have any condemnation over us. We are not condemned. There is therefore now. Here's the next word, the reality of your freedom. No condemnation. Condemnation is a forensic term which includes both the sentence and the execution of the sentence. It means to be pronounced guilty and sentenced to punishment. But Romans 8.1 is a verse full of important words. The most significant word in the whole verse is the word no. In fact, when Paul wrote this verse in the Greek language, no is the first word in the Greek text. Sometimes they moved words around for emphasis. So if you were to read that in the Greek text, it would say, no, not any, and then the rest of the verse. Paul is not saying that we don't have some condemnation. He is saying we have no condemnation. We don't have limited condemnation. We don't have appropriate condemnation. We don't have calculated condemnation. We don't have a little condemnation. We have no condemnation. What does that mean? Well, the most basic meaning of no condemnation is that there is no rejection by God. God will not turn you aside. He will not kick you out of his family. <laughs> no matter what you do, he will never, ever leave you. If you're a Christian, your sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. You are free. You are not under condemnation. He condemned sin for us. He took the penalty we deserve. We, do we deserve to be condemned? Absolutely. Probably just for what we did last week. But God took that, and he placed it on his son, Jesus Christ. All the condemnation that you and I deserve was leveled on him when he died on the cross. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, what a truth that is, how that should liberate us and free us. Then the Bible says the relationship of this freedom belongs to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, everything we have according to Paul is because we are in Christ Jesus. Martin Luther said, it is impossible for a man to be a Christian without having Christ. And if he has Christ, he has at the same time all that is in Christ. What gives peace to the conscience is that by faith, our sins are no more ours. 
but Christ upon whom God has laid them, and that on the other hand, all of Christ's righteousness is ours, to whom God has given it. Christ lays his hand upon us, and we are healed. He casts his mantle over us, and we are clothed, for he is the glorious Savior, blessed forever. Faith unites the soul with Christ as a spouse with her husband. Everything which Christ has becomes the property of the believing soul. Everything which the soul has becomes the property of Christ. Christ possesses all blessings and eternal life. They are the property of the soul. The soul has all of its iniquities and sins, and they become thenceforth the property of Christ, who is both God and man. Christ who never sinned and whose holiness is perfect. Christ the Almighty and eternal, taking to himself by the ring of faith all the sins of the believer. Those sins are lost and abolished in him, for no sins dwell before his infinite righteousness. Thus, by faith, the believer's soul is delivered from sins and at the same time clothed with the eternal righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Listen to me. There are two books. This book is the book containing all of David Jeremiah's sins. I'm not going to tell you how many pages are in the book. This book is a book that contains all of the righteous characteristics of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Christ. When I became a Christian, God switched the covers. His righteousness came over my book that was filled with sin. My sin filled up his book that was filled with righteousness. The Bible says Christ became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. The Bible teaches you are free from the penalty of sin because you are in Christ. But here's the second thing. You are free from the power of sin. Notice what it says in verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, you don't have to be a real brilliant scholar to notice that in that verse there's two laws. There's the law of the spirit and there's the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit is kind of one of the main themes of Romans 8. Did you know that in the eighth chapter of Romans, the Holy Spirit's mentioned 20 times? That's pretty amazing. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Romans 8 tells us that when we have the Spirit of God in us, we now, for the first time in our whole human existence, we have something that can give us victory over the law of sin and death. When you become a Christian, what happens is God gives you the Holy Spirit. He comes to live within you. And while you don't always do the right thing, now you have the power to do the right thing. Now you have living within you the Holy Spirit who can lift you up above all of that and give you victory. And the more you submit to the Holy Spirit, the more you give him control of your life, the more victory you have over the things that once drug you down. There's the law of the Spirit. And then there's the law of sin and death. The law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. The reference to the law of sin and death is to the law of Moses. And the Bible tells us that in the Old Testament, the law of Moses was good, but it was ineffective. Well, you say, Pastor Jeremiah, how could the Ten Commandments, and there were many more commandments, there were hundreds of commandments beside the ten, 
How could those not be effective? Well, it wasn't their fault. The Bible says the law is weak because of the weakness of the flesh. What does that mean? There's nothing wrong with the law. The problem is the standards are so high, nobody can keep it. Nobody can keep the law. And the Bible says if you break one of the laws, you become guilty of all. You have to, you have to get 100% on the test or you fail. And no one can do that. That's the law of sin and death. Over and over in the Old Testament, they had to bring sacrifices as a picture of atonement. And thank God we're on the other side of the cross because the Bible says God put his son on the cross and he paid the penalty once for all so that all of our sins are atoned for, past, present, and future. We are forgiven. There is no condemnation to us who are in Christ Jesus. The law of sin and death keeps a Christian from living the kind of life he wants to live. So here's the deal. When you become a Christian, the law doesn't go away. Sin and death doesn't quit. I mean, until we get to heaven, they're always going to be present with us. And you heard me give, give this little poem. I try to give it as often as I can because I think it's profound. Two natures beat within my breast. The one is foul, the one is blessed. The one I love, the one I hate, the one I feed will dominate. <laughs> what nature are you feeding? Because you still have the old nature. So you say, how does the law of the Spirit overcome the law of sin and death in the believer? Here's how I understand that. If you stand beside a 747 and you look at the massive weight and size, I've often thought this, and I'm sure you have too, how in the world is that plane ever going to get off the ground? How is it ever going to break the force of gravity that's holding it to the ground. Well, when the power of its engine combines with the laws of aerodynamics, the plane is able to lift itself to 35,000 feet and fly 600 miles an hour. Gravity is still pulling on the plane, but as long as it obeys the laws of aerodynamics, it can break free from the bonds of Earth. How many of you know that when you become a Christian, there's an awful lot of pull on your life? not to live the Christian life, but when you put the law of the Spirit to work in your life, he's like the aerodynamic lift that takes you away from the law of gravity that wants to pull you down. So when you become a Christian, now you not only have freedom from the penalty of sin, you have freedom from the power of sin because the Holy Spirit's come to live within your heart. Hallelujah. And then you have freedom from the punishment of sin. Notice verse 3. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh. We're so glad you tuned into the podcast today. Here at Miracle Channel, our mission has always stayed the same, to reach every home in Canada with the truth about Jesus. But Miracle Channel's reach goes far beyond this podcast. Through our TV broadcasts, daily devotional, streaming service, and multiple podcasts, thousands of people like you are growing closer to Jesus every day. Learn more about Miracle Channel and download our resources by clicking the link in our show notes. We hope that you are blessed by this teaching today, and we want to say thank you for listening to the Miracle Channel podcast. The Bible says that you can never again be condemned for your sin. The Fifth Amendment of our Constitution says, no person shall be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb for the same offense. 
Once you've been found innocent, you cannot be tried for that same crime again. In verse 3, Paul is saying something like that to us. You cannot be condemned because Christ has already suffered that condemnation for you on the cross. The law of double jeopardy states that a person cannot be tried twice for the same crime. Since Jesus paid the penalty for your sins, and since you're in Christ, you have been declared innocent, and God will never condemn you. You are free. Don't tell me all the stuff you're still doing that you shouldn't do. You need to yield your life to the Holy Spirit and rise above it, but in the midst of it all, you are not condemned. You're not going to stand before God someday and have to give an answer for your sin because all of your sin has been condemned at the cross and you have been completely forgiven. And some of you will say to me, as I've heard so often, but Dr. Jeremiah, I get that. Up until the time I was saved, all my sins were covered at the cross. But once I got saved, now I'm kind of responsible to carry this kind of life out, right? No. And here's the answer to that. How many of your sins were future when Christ died for them? All of them were. Christ doesn't see any distinguishing marks in your life. He doesn't say past sins, present sins, future sins. All of those were future sins when he died on the cross. And the Bible says he condemned them all. He paid for them all. He forgave you from them all. So when you sin and you do something you shouldn't do, you don't have to go to Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness so you won't be condemned. You go and ask for forgiveness so your relationship can be restored, so you can be friends again and fellowship again. But through all of that time, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Number four, you're actually free from the practice of sin. Did you know you can live your life and not practice sin? Verse 4 says that the righteous requirement of the law might be filled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Paul says, while we can't keep the law in our own strength, when the Holy Spirit comes, the righteousness of the law can be experienced by us who walk by the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is in control of your life, your righteousness is like the righteousness of the Old Testament law, only empowered by the Spirit of God. Listen to me. When you become a Christian, if you look back over your life after a few months, you should see a different person than the person you were when you became a Christian. Someone gave me this little poetry that helps you understand what I've been trying to say. Here's what it says. To run and work, the law commands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings it bids me fly and gives me wings. <laughs> Grace is not simply leniency when you have sinned. Grace is the power of God in you not to sin. So there you have it. The four things that are true of you, if you're a Christian, you are free from the penalty of sin. You are free from the power of sin. You are free from the punishment of sin. You are free from the practice of sin. Let me add this. When you get to heaven someday, you'll be free from the actual presence of sin. What a thing that is to look forward to. So, just let me give you two takeaways from this that you should apply to your life. Number one, start living forgiven. The Bible says no condemnation. Others, even our own self-talk, often say condemnation. Who are you going to believe? 
Are you not condemned or are you? Is there now no condemnation or is that not true? I remember as a kid learning this verse in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God. Why is that important? The Bible says that the old you has been crucified. Why? Because you're in Christ. Christ was crucified. You were in Christ when he was crucified. Your old you is dead. It is dead. And there's a new you, an uncondemned you. Start living like you're forgiven. Living like you're forgiven. Living every day like you're forgiven, because you are. Nobody can tell you different. Everybody can come and say, oh, yeah, but no. You, you don't have anything to remember except one thing. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Second takeaway, start living forgiven and start living free. One day, Abraham Lincoln went to visit a slave auction. He was appalled at what he saw. His heart was especially drawn to a young slave girl whose story seemed to be told in the pain of her face. She looked with hatred and contempt on everyone around her. She had been used and abused all of her life, and this was but one more cruel humiliation for her. As the auction began, Lincoln offered his bid. As other amounts were bid, he countered with a larger amount until finally Abraham Lincoln won the bid for that girl, and he now owned her as his slave. When he paid the auctioneer the money and took title to the young woman, she stared at him with vicious contempt. She hated him like she had hated all of her other owners. She asked him what he was going to do next with her, and he said, I'm going to set you free. Free, she asked. Free for what? Just free, said Lincoln, completely free. Free to do whatever I want to do? Free to do whatever you want to do. Free to say whatever I want to say? Free to say whatever you want to say. Free to go wherever I want to go? Yes, free to go wherever you want to go. She said, then I'm going with you. <laughs> and that's the way it is when we're in Christ. When we're set free, it's not just to go do other things that we always thought we, we're set free to walk after the one who set us free. <laughs> we're set free to serve him and love him. That's the way it is. He sets us free to go anywhere we want to go, say anything we want to say, do anything we want to do, but because we have come to know him as the great freedom giver, we want to be where he is. We want to follow him. So we serve Jesus Christ not out of duty or responsibility, but out of love for the one who has set us free. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages from encouraging speakers that air on Miracle Channel and Corco. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.